In his book, Undaunted Courage, Stephen Ambrose writes about the Lewis and Clark expedition that took place in the early 1800s. Now, after facing massive challenges, hunger, fatigue, desertion, illness, and a whole bunch more, Lewis and Clark, near Three Forks, Montana, finally reached the headwaters of the Missouri River. Now, all of their advance information had led Meriwether Lewis and William Clark to believe that once they had reached the Continental Divide, just 100 miles west of Three Forks, they would only face a half-day portage. Then they would reach the waters of the Columbia River and then float safely to the Pacific Ocean. The hard part of the journey was behind them. It was time to celebrate, or so they thought. Meriwether Lewis climbed the bluffs near the Continental Divide, expecting to see the Columbia River. Imagine what he felt when instead of seeing the Columbia, he was the first non-Native American to see the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> they couldn't go back and there was no clear way forward. We have a word for that, trapped. You probably know the feeling. I think we all do in some way, shape, or form. I don't know, maybe, maybe you recently conquered a bad habit, only to suffer a relapse. Or maybe you feel stuck in a dead-end marriage, a dead-end job, a dead-end life, or maybe all of the above. Like Lewis and Clark, we can't go back. And like Lewis and Clark, there is no clear way forward either. Again, we have a word for that, <laughs> trapped. Well, welcome to the world of Abraham and Sarah. Their story begins way back in Genesis 11. Abram, as he was called then, was the son of a man named Terah. The whole family was from the ancient Babylonian city called Ur. Now, it was an Ur that Abram met Sarai, that was her name back then. And at some point, well, they got married and then moved from Ur to Haran, a city on the Tigris River. And then God showed up. In Genesis 12, God called Abram and Sarai to go to the land of Canaan, where he would make a great nation through, well, of all people, Abram and Sarai. Abram was 65 years old then, and Sarai was 55. And not only that, she was barren. Can you imagine what Abram and Sarai said? A great nation, are you kidding? We can't even have any children. And look how old we are. And so they waited. And waited. And waited some more. And still no son. Well, they got tired of waiting when Abram was about 86 and Sarai was 76. I mean, who could blame them? So Sarai pushed a woman named Hagar into Abraham's tent one night. And well, nine months later, their union gave birth to Ishmael. Fast forward, 13 years later, Abram is now 99, and Sarai's 89, and Sarai's still barren, and the household is still filled with rancor and strife because of the whole Hagar-Ishmael debacle. Again, we have a word for that, trapped. And then again, God showed up. 
Genesis 17, 1 of our text says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Now the Hebrew phrase behind the title God Almighty is El Shaddai. El Shaddai means that God is sufficient. God is able. God is powerful. El Shaddai means that, well, there's nothing that our God cannot do. So what does El Shaddai do when he shows up? He cuts a covenant. Now the term covenant appears many times in our in our whole reading from Genesis chapter 17. In fact, covenant appears another eight times after this in the book of Genesis. Additionally, in three of those references, verses 7, 13, and 19, God refers to an eternal covenant. He says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. Now, do you think God's trying to make a point? <laughs> you see, in the Old Testament, covenants weren't made like they are today. People didn't just sign their name to a piece of paper to make a covenant. There were no attorneys, no notary publics, but there was blood, lots of blood. That's because in the Old Testament, people cut covenants, literally. They killed animals slit their throats, and poured out their blood. This covenant stuff was a messy business. Well, God fulfilled his covenant promise to Abraham and Sarah through the birth of a son, Isaac. And God fulfilled his covenant promise to you and me through the birth of his son, Jesus. And that's what we look forward to then as we celebrate during this Advent season. God shows up again. Well, you can bet that there was blood, lots of it. In Gethsemane, when Jesus sweat bloody tears, in Gabbatha, when the Roman soldiers beat him, and then again, of course, at Golgotha, the blood flowing from the wounds, from the marks of the nails, and the crown of thorns. The Everlasting Covenant promised to Abraham is signed, sealed, and delivered for you. Signed in the Savior's cleansing blood. Sealed by the Holy Spirit in his promise at baptism. And delivered in the means of grace. The gospel, baptism, and holy communion. Where Jesus says, This is the blood of my covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of sin." problem when we feel trapped is that we don't hear the voice of God, but rather we hear other voices. And they're persuasive voices. Hedonism says, hey, just party your way out. Materialism says, spend your way out. Individualism says, you're the way out. And nihilism says, there's no way out. If we listen to these voices long enough, we'll have an overwhelming feeling of despair. It's like an insidious virus that destroys our body, our mind, and our soul. And trying to self-medicate, it only gets us further trapped in patterns of self-sabotage. 
Someone said when we feel trapped, we certainly don't whistle while we work, like they do in the Disney movies. And when others whistle while they work, well, we give them the, we give them the look. You know the look, that are you that naive look? We scold them, like, haven't you read the news and heard the reports and seen the studies? I mean, airplanes, they fall out of the sky. Bull markets go bare. Terrorists terrorize. Good people turn bad. The other shoe will drop. Fine print will be found. Feeling trapped in a dead-end job or dead-end relationship twists us into emotional pretzels. It makes our, our eyes twitch, our blood pressure rise, our, our heads ache, and our, you know, our armpits sweat. So what do we do? We numb our pain with six packs and food binges and too much Netflix. <laughs> we express our angst with volcanic anger and silent stares. And we're, well, we're pretty good at both. A Hungarian man named Andras Tamas fought for the Germans in World War II. Now, the Soviets captured him toward the end of the war in 1944. Thomas, well, he actually went crazy, or so they thought, while he was in the Russian gulags. I've heard that Russian gulags can do that to a person. Now, after Thomas was transferred to a mental hospital, the Soviets, well, whose system was not exactly a model of efficiency, eventually forgot who he was. So it wasn't until 1998, over 40 years later, that a doctor recognized that Andres Tomas was speaking Hungarian. Everyone else just thought he was crazy. Opening his medical file for the very first time in decades, the doctor found Thomas K's history and notified the authorities in Hungary. And so the POW finally returned home in 1999 to a hero's welcome, where he was called the last prisoner of World War II. We sometimes feel like that, don't we? The last prisoner of World War II, or maybe World War III. Today, well, maybe some of you feel like you're at the end of your rope. And so I want you to hear this loud and clear. God has shown up in Jesus Christ. You are not trapped. You can say no to that lie. You see, sin can't trap us. Jesus forgives that, and death can't trap us. Jesus conquered that, and hopelessness can't trap us either, because Jesus hears our prayer. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck you from his hand. And so we sing in the song, In Christ Alone, by Keith Getty and Stuart Townsend. I am convinced that nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The words from Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 8. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. Those are the words of God to Abraham and Sarah.
What's it all mean? No matter what you may be feeling trapped by, I don't know, caring for small children, worrying about teenagers, a broken heart, or an overwhelming feeling that everything's gone terribly wrong, wait upon the Lord with faith. Because of Christ's everlasting blood covenant with you, death is dead, sin is forgiven, hope is eternal, the victory is won. And again, we have a word for that, free. The waiting is over. When Christ was born, God fully showed up. Jesus is our Emmanuel, our God with us. So put your faith fully in him. Because of this little baby that we see at Christmas, you are forever free. Amen.